Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warmer for the low, welcome to lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast, and we've got a great podcast for you. It's in the second segment, going to be joined by Curtis Rogers. He does great work doing pre- and post-game coverage for the Seattle Mariners over there at the 710 Seattle Sports Sea official flagship station of the Mariners. We're going to be talking to him about this big series between the Guardians and the Mariners, the outlook of the American League, and other big series to take a look at this weekend as well. And for those of you guys that are football fans, he also does a great job covering the Seattle Seahawks as well. So we're going to be having that chat with Curtis in the second segment. In the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Friday. As we touch them all first things first, always do love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. And we got one or two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters CM. Maybe it does not matter. As per usual, please do send these into the timeline. And the other way, it is fine an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find that five-star review. We did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but a very interesting day of baseball on Thursday. Let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these seems a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. The Houston Astros get it done against the Minnesota Twins by kind of 6-3 as Chris Archer, not the start he was looking for. Gives up five runs over the course of four innings, including a home run to Trey Boom Boom Mancini, 16th home run season. On the other side, Luis Garcia, not a great start either. He gives up three runs over the course of five innings, including a homer to Ore Palanco, 16th home run season. 
Problem was, the Astros' bullpen, they were very dominant in this one. Rafael Montero, along with Hector Neres, Phil Mayton, Will Smith, all provide a scoreless setting in for the Minnesota Twins. Not bad with their bullpen either. Trevor McGill does wind up allowing a run in an inning, and he did wind up striking out three as Ore Lopez, Griffin Jacks, Yohan Duran. They also provide a scoreless setting, but not a lot of opportunities for the Twins. They go one of one with men in scoring position. The DGA Nation pick was on the over in the Mariners versus Guardians game, and you're not going to find this very often. There were four runs scored with zero outs in the bottom of the first inning to make it 3-1, to one, and the game ended 3-1. to one. All the scoring wound up happening in the first inning with no outs in the bottom of the first, as he wound up having Mitch Hanniger strike for his seventh home run of the season, and that's all the offense that the Seattle Mariners would get. Marco Gonzalez gives up one run over the course of six innings, as Matt Brash, Andres Munoz combined for the final two innings scoreless, and Eric Swanson a scoreless setting, and then after Tristan McKenzie gave up three runs without getting it out, he went six scoreless after that, so... You want to have that go on, same advantages, Eli Morgan. They both provide a scoreless setting big win for the Seattle Mariners and for the Cleveland Guardians, even though they do wind up losing. They don't lose any ground out there in the AL Central as they are still four games up on both the Twins and the Chicago White Sox because the White Sox lose the Baltimore Orioles by a count of 4-3 in 11 innings. There was a fly ball that was hit to Adam Engel that would have ended the game. It was in foul territory. He does not wind up making the grab. And as a result, he did wind up having this team pay as getting his first home run of the season, Kyle Stowers, as he wound up getting his second opportunity on that one. And that results in a little bit of a brutal situation. As for the Chicago White Sox, Lance Lynn, a surprisingly good start. He winds up giving up two runs, one of which was earned over the course of six innings as he did wind up allowing a home run to Anthony Santander, his 22nd home run season. And for Liam Hendricks, he's the man that gave up that home run. Can't help but feel a little bit bad from here as that was an unearned run that was charged to him in his inning. Rinaldo Lopez, Jimmy Lambert, Joe Kelly, I'll provide a scoreless second. And then Jake Diekman allows the unearned run that starts on second in the 11th. And Andrew Vaughn, he did wind up getting a home run off of Jordan Lyles. 14th home run season. Good start for Lyles. Evaded a lot of danger giving up nine hits, two runs, one of which was earned over the course of seven innings as... For the White Sox, they go to of 13 with men in scoring position. Felix Batista pitches the 10th and the 11th scoreless. Joey Crebiel was able to give you a scoreless saying, and Dylan Tate gives up a run in an angst. And then the Boston Red Sox took a really, really bad loss that they should have closed out. 6-5 of the final. Kevin Gosman allows four runs over the course of five innings, but it could have been worse because he allowed nine hits, and leaving men on was the theme of the night for the Boston Red Sox. They go 3-20. of 20. With men in scoring position, Trevor Richards gives up an unearned run in his inning of work. Anthony Bass, a scoreless inning. Adam Zimber, Tim Meza, they both combine for a scoreless inning. And then from there, Jordan Romano, scoreless ninth and 10th innings. And the Red Sox, they had the bases loaded with no outs in the bottom of the ninth. Tie game, they come up snake eyes. For the Toronto Blue Jays, Danny Jansen, he winds up getting a home run off of Matt Strand for his 10th home run season and for Boston. Not the start that Cutter Crawford was looking for. Tenants allowed him four and two-thirds innings while giving up four runs. Bullpen from there was pretty solid. John Schreiber did allow an under run in the 10th inning, but Matt Barnes, Edekaz, Satomoto both give you a scoreless inning. Jurisic Familia, Spanish for blown save. Five outs out of the bullpen without allowing a run. And for the Boston Red Sox, they have just two series win over the AL East this season, and they wind up getting swept in this one. The St. Louis Cardinals, they got done against the Chicago Cubs by a count of 8-3 to three as for the Cards, Paul Goldschmidt winds up going deep twice with 5 RBI. 32nd and 33rd home runs of the season. As for the Cubs, this was not the start that they were looking for from Marcus Stroman, giving up 5 runs over the course of 5 innings. Sean Newcomb gives up one of those home runs. 
to Goldschmidt giving up a run in an inning, and then Kirby Castro gives up the other bomb, giving up two runs in two innings. Michael Rucker, a scoreless inning, and with the Cubs, they do wind up going four of ten with men in scoring position, but Dakota Hudson able to do a solid job of being able to hold down the fork, giving up two runs over the course of seven innings. Pecky Naughton gives up a run while getting just one out of the bullpen before Jordan Nicks polishes off the final five outs, not allowing a run along the way. The Tampa Bay Rays right now have ownership of the top AL wildcard spot as they complete their sweep of the LA Angels. 8-3 the final. Taylor Ward did wind up going deep for the Angels as Ward winds up getting home run number 17 of the season off of Drew Rasmussen. One mistake Rasmussen would make, giving up one run in five and a third innings. Colin Pooch provides five outs out of the bullpen, scoreless, and then from there, Ryan Thompson gives up two runs in an inning, and Charn Armstrong winds up giving a scoreless inning. Isaac Paredes for the second time in the series. He went yard off of Patrick Sandoval, 16th home run season. Sandoval, he winds up giving up five runs, but only one of which returned over the course of six innings as he was hurt by a bad throwing error. And then from there, Paredes, he winds up being able to get a home run as well. So that third inning turned out to be a calamity. Tuki Tucson in long relief gives up three runs over the course of two innings. And the Angels, well, they're completely rudderless at this point as they have now went 25 and 56 in their last 81 games. Not great there. And you know, this was not terrific. The Reds offense, 4-0. to They are shut out by the Philadelphia Phillies as for the Red Legs, Justin Dung. Not a bad start here. He gives up two runs over the course of six innings, including Homer. King that deep fly for the Phillies. Kyle Schwarber, 35th Homer on season. More than enough for Aaron Supernola, though, who was super. 11 strikeouts. Complete game scoreless, so he was able to do an amazing job. Dodi Maretta gets far outside the bullpen for the Reds, and you had Ross Detweiler give up two runs while getting just two outs out of the pen himself. And then you did wind up seeing the New York Mets cover the run line, giving Jacob DeGrom just enough support. Three to one. The Mets get it done as Ryan Feldner gives up all three runs over the course of four and two-thirds innings, including a home run to Pete Alonso, 31st home run season. Bullpen from there did their part. Jake Bird, Justin Lawrence, both provide five outs without allowing a run. And for the Rockies, lone form of offense, Ryan McMahon, 13th home run season. That comes off of our good friend Jacob de Grom, who gives up its home run over the course of six innings, nine strikeouts along the way. Seth Lugo, Edwin Diaz, Adam Adovino. I'll give you a scoreless inning. Why? Edwin Diaz was throwing in the eighth inning and not the ninth inning for the Trumpets. I am not sure, but with that said, they still got it done. And then the New York Yankees. They get it done against the Oakland A's. I am recording this as they are just having this game go final. Let me just put it to you this way. For the New York Yankees, Aaron Judge along John Carlos Stanton were the only starters that did not wind up getting multiple hits in this one. It is as I record this, 13-4 in the top of the eighth inning. James Tyon gave up just one run over the course of six innings going deep for the Oakland A's. He did wind up having home run number two of the season for Shea Langeliers. So that was good for the Oakland A's. What was not good was James Caprillion getting eight outs and giving up eight runs. And the Yankees, by the way, no home runs in this one. As Kirby Snead give up two runs in one and a third innings. Norge Ruiz winds up going two and a third innings. Giving up three runs, Joel Piamps was able to give a scoreless inning, and at this point, as I'm recording this, position players Sheldon Noisy has just entered into the game. Meanwhile, for the Yankees, they have looked to Lucas Lutke, coupled with Greg Weisert out of the bullpen, so things are starting to get weird out there in Oakland, and something that is not weird is taking a look at some of the trends that we're seeing right now in Major League Baseball's unders have been able to do relatively well all season long. They've been hitting just below 52% and over the last 30 days. It's been relatively similar as well as for the season. 911 unders to 849 overs, so right around 51.8% to the under in this time span for the 
the entirety of the season. Favorites, 1,110 and 742 setting, right around 60% home favorites. They've done well straight up, 701 and 459, but among these 701 home favorites, 213 have failed to be able to cover the run line, and if you take a look at the last three days, home favorites have been very solid. 152 and 84 in this time span, ending at 64.4%, and in this time span, unders doing very well. 200, 200, 174 overs, a little bit under 54% to the under. So that's what we're seeing in baseball right now, and that's what we wound up getting on Thursday. Now let's take a look at the American League playoff picture, this big Guardians versus Seattle Mariners series as well, with our good friend Curtis Rogers of 710 Seattle Sports. That comes up next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my dance, <laughs> There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- craft month with the perfect pizza at home class from craftsy and anytime is right to listen to iheart radio's iheart country radio discover more shows and movies for free whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years have a plan and know the game be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. 
I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my dance, <laughs> There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real, live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. (laughs) I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All my friends love it. I love that it's KidSafe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, That's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! (laughs) Download the Zigazoo app today. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. 
Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my dance, <laughs> There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. Greg, you're lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. It is always great to get Curtis Rogers on the podcast. He does a great job over there at 710 Seattle Sports doing Seattle Manor's pre- and post-game work. And the NFL season is just around the corner. I know he's doing some great work over there with the Seattle Seahawks as well. So this is going to be a very, very busy man when the month of September hits and he always does a great job whenever he joins his podcast. You're able to follow Curtis Rogers on both Instagram and Twitter at a kid from Kent and Curtis. It is great to have you aboard. Thank you. Greg, really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, things are really heating up here as we enter the month of September. Huge series between the Mariners and, and Guardians this weekend. So lots and lots to get to on the Mariners front for sure. I can tell you right now, I'm a little bit salty about the game that we wound up seeing on Thursday. <laughs> I had the over in the game. Three to one with no odds at the bottom of the first inning, and then the game dies and nobody else scores from there. But that's a little <laughs> bit of the theme between these two because the Guardians and the Seattle Mariners, I think that's fair to say, both sells or break. These have been two of the hottest teams in the American League. And I think dating it back to the beginning of the month of July is probably a little bit better in the case of the Seattle Mariners. But I mean, both of these teams have done it through bullpen pitching, and neither of these teams, I would say, necessarily has the most formidable offenses in the world. But the reason why both of these teams are right now finding themselves in the playoff picture is that 
their pitching has been superb. It really has been. And, and for the Mariners, it has been their bullpen that has taken that step forward. Andres Munoz, who got a four-out save on Thursday, has been one of the best relief pitchers in baseball, regardless of, of league. He has been just incredible. His case per nine innings is among the league leaders in velocity. I know he has hit 103 miles an hour on the radar gun at times. He has been just a revelation this season. He came over to Seattle in that trade made a few years ago where the Mariners acquired Ty France as well. So, I mean, Ty France was an all-star. He's been struggling mightily, by the way, as of late. But you look at Munoz in the bullpen. Seawald, obviously, he did not close the game out on Wednesday against Washington. But outside of that home run he allowed to Ildemaro Vargas, he's been just as good as he was a year ago. And we're also seeing some other guys step forward, too. Eric Swanson, he's running an ERA below one right now. Guys like Penn Murphy, who have come up out of the minor leagues this season and have given them quality innings. So it has been a very well-rounded effort. Uh, Matt Brash, he's starting to see more more work out of the bullpen after coming up as a starter earlier this season. So the bullpen really carrying the Mariners right now. And, I mean, that's not to discredit the starting pitching at all. I think, obviously, Luis Castillo has been great since coming over. Robbie Ray took a no-hitter into the seventh inning in his last start against Washington. But guys like Logan Gilbert and Marco Gonzalez have really struggled here in the second half of the season, and the bullpen has been there to pick them up. Gonzalez had a good start today, only allowing the one run, but that hasn't been the case for him mostly here in the season's second half. So the Mariners' bullpen has been great. And then you look at Cleveland as well. I mean, James Karinczak, he's found that form that he had in 2020. I mean, last year he struggled really terribly in the season's second half to the point where they had to demote him to the minor leagues. But he's back. He's looked really good. And, and Cleveland's pitching staff, just as dangerous as the Mariners too, especially when you're led by Tristan McKenzie and Shane Bieber. Totally agree with you. And we're going to be seeing a good pitching matchup. That's going to be going down on Friday as well. You just mentioned Shane Bieber. And he's going to be going up against Logan Gilbert. Now, if there is a little bit of concern, Logan Gilbert over his last five starts has posted up right around a 6-8 ERA now, as both of us know. Two of those starts did wind up coming against the New York Yankees. Prior to the New York Yankees, wound up going into a big giant swoon. But is there a little bit of concern of Logan Gilbert starting to slow down a little bit as the season has went along? I think there is, but in his last start against the Oakland A's, he looked really good through four innings, had four shutout innings against Oakland before it kind of unraveled on him in the fifth. But that was thanks in large part to the Mariners' defense. There was an error made by Adam Frazier where he booted a ball at second base. Jake Lamb misplayed a ball out in right field. So he looked better in that start. It was interesting, though. He was pulled early from that after taking a comebacker off of his lower back. He seems fine. Scott Service has said this week that he's fine, so there's not much to worry about in terms of Logan Gilbert's health going into this start on Friday night, but you hope that he can build off of what he did early on against the A's back on Saturday, because he's going to be huge. He's going to be relied upon heavily here down the stretch, and I mean, as the Mariners are right now a playoff spot, you want to build out your three-man rotation for that wild card round. Everybody kind of assumes that Logan Gilbert would be among those three starters, along with Luis Castillo and Robbie Ray, but who knows? I mean, George Kirby has looked really well. Kirby on Wednesday set the major league record for most strikes to start a game. Kirby's command has been incredible this season, so maybe he's going to be threatening for one of those spots. I know Kirby's a rookie who has already exceeded his career innings total just in this season alone, but when you look at you know playoff baseball, you want to go with the hot hand. Right now, Kirby is that. Gilbert has not been, but... Gilbert had these same kind of issues last year in the month of August and really settled down, really figured things out in the month of September. I think the Mariners are kind of hoping this is just a little hiccup again and that he's able to repeat what he did last September. 
Yep, I agree with you. I really like what I've seen out of George Kirby. Could it be interesting to see what we wind up getting out of Logan Gilbert as well as it's interesting to take a look at both of these teams as joining me on the podcast. We do have Curtis Rogers because the way that the Cleveland Guardians are looking to get into the postseason is by winning an AL Central that if you would have told me here in very, very late August that they would have a three and a half game lead over the Minnesota Twins and the Chicago White Sox. I would have been like, what in the world has happened here? But here we are right now in the Seattle Mariners. They've been able to do a solid job in that wild card race. It's been a little bit topsy-turvy, but right now they're three games clear of the Baltimore Orioles for that final spot. But I take a look at the way that the playoff picture looks right now, and I just don't know if there's going to be any movement moving forward because I think that the Tampa Bay Rays, with the way that they've been able to play the last few weeks, they've been able to put themselves into a playoff spot. I don't think that the Blue Jays are falling out and then For the Orioles, it's been an amazing story, but now they have to go to Houston for a big set. If they don't wind up being able to get a series win against Houston, that is really going to put them behind the eight ball because then they have to play against the Guardians, and then they do wind up having series against the Blue Jays, the struggling Red Sox, and then they have to play the Blue Jays, it looks like, again, and the Houston Astros again. So, yeah, it's a really rough schedule there, but I take a look at the way that things are setting up in terms of the playoff picture, and I think both of these teams will be finding themselves in the postseason. Yeah, it is interesting how the American League has kind of settled itself out a little bit here. You mentioned that American League Central race. I think if we're going to see any significant movement, it might be there, but, boy, Cleveland has really kind of put their foot on the gas pedal here over the last couple of weeks. Taking command of that, I mean, three-and-a-half game lead right now in the American League Central, considering how much the Twins and White Sox, you just can't rely on them to win consistently. And as we know, the White Sox, the Rangers by Tony LaRusso, so they're just not going to be able to put together enough good baseball here over the season's final month to really overtake Cleveland, I don't think. I think the Guardians are the team to beat in that American League Central. And the American League wildcard, yeah, the Orioles really are kind of the only threat right now to leapfrog any of those teams. But as you mentioned, you've got the Blue Jays and Rays who are pretty far out in front of them right now. You've got a Rays team that has a four-and-a-half game lead on Baltimore, and you've got the Blue Jays that have a three-and-a-half game lead on Baltimore. And the Mariners themselves also have a pretty significant lead on the Orioles as well. I mean, the one race that is going to be of most importance, at least in the American League, is going to be who gets that number one wildcard spot to host the three wildcard round games. Right now, Tampa Bay currently holding that. And, you know, you look at their home record, Second best in the American League in terms of home wins at 42 right now. They've won six in a row. They're starting to play really good baseball at a really opportune time, putting some distance between themselves and the rest of you know the teams that are fighting for that American League top spot, the Blue Jays and the Mariners. Right now, the Rays, whatever buttons they're clicking, it seems to be working for them. Wait, you're telling me that the Tampa Bay Rays are playing great baseball down the stretch <laughs> despite not having a ton of offense? Color me shocked. Where have we heard this before? It's joining me on the podcast. We've got Curtis Rogers says, boy, it feels like a story as old as the dawn of time right there with the Tampa Bay Rays. But and we were talking about the AL Central race, and I do agree with you. I think that it is the best race. The White Sox, they have a critical series coming up this weekend against the Arizona Diamondbacks because if they don't wind up taking at minimum two of three games in the series, I think it puts them in a really rough spot now. 
with the White Sox. Of all the teams that are in these races, they've got one of, if not the most favorable schedule, but I just still think the Guardians wind up pulling out this race because with the Minnesota Twins, they've got a little bit of a tougher schedule, and I don't trust in that starting pitching at this point. And now you've got Byron Buxton on the injured list. That's something that you always have to fear as a Minnesota Twins fan. It has come to fruition for them at the worst time, but when it comes to this White Sox team, every single time it looks like they're going to turn the corner. Every single time the expectation is they're going to take control of this division. They have come up snake eyes every single time, and as long as Tony La Russa is their manager, I've got no faith in them. I am right there with you, Greg. They are the most disappointing team in baseball, I think. I don't think there's any question that they're the most disappointing team in baseball. You have such a tremendous season a year ago, making it all the way to the playoffs for the first time in over a decade. You think that there's a lot of positive momentum going forward, but boy, they just have been so, so inconsistent this season. And like you said, it all kind of starts at the top. It all starts at Tony La Russa. He is the reason why they are where they are because he's continued to walk guys with two strikes and two outs intentionally. It makes no sense. He does it. He's done it three times this season already. You know, they brought in Elvis Andrews as a free agent. Like, sure, that's okay, but he hasn't been any good at all. Yasmani Grandal got injured, but that's not exactly a bad thing as he's running a negative war out there this year. There have been a lot of underperformers on that roster, too, though. You know, you look at Yohan Moncada, he's got a sub-200 batting average. Tim Anderson's been out of the lineup for a long time. He's been hurt. They bring over Josh Harrison. He hasn't exactly performed up to snuff. I mean, it has just been a lot of guys that have underperformed this season. And then also you mentioned, you know, the pitching rotation of the White Sox, too. Last year was a huge reason as to why they were as good as they were. And I mean, look, Dylan Cease has been great. Johnny Cueto has been great. Michael Kopech has been great. But outside of those guys, I mean, Lance Lynn has been terrible. Lucas Giolito, who has been average at best, you know, those two guys, Lynn and Giolito last year, were incredible for them. To see them in the spot that they're in right now, just not being able to get those kinds of performances out of guys in their starting rotation. Obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty, but Carlos Rodon was a huge reason as to why they were so successful last year, especially in that starting rotation. He goes to San Francisco and proves that last year was no fluke. He is a really good pitcher that Chicago probably should have made a little more effort to keep rather than you know bring in somebody like Vince Velasquez. You know, it, it has just been a really, really rough go of it for the White Sox this season. A lot of decisions that haven't been going their way. Obviously, the success of Dylan Cease has been a massive breakthrough for them. Uh, I mean, the fact that he is is going to be a rotation anchor for them for quite some time is a very incredible building block. You've got him in your rotation. You've got Luis Robert you know, playing center field. You couldn't ask for two better young players in this game, but boy... To be where they are, considering the expectations they had coming into this season, if Tony La Russa is still employed, I, I question Jerry Reinsdorf's baseball acumen, more so than I question his basketball acumen, which, I mean, he was the one guy to say that, you know, we don't need Michael Jordan on this roster, for goodness sake. I really wonder if Jerry Reinsdorf is <laughs> is smart enough to figure this out, because Boy, this White Sox team, they had it made in the American League Central coming into this season. That was their division. Here they are looking up Minnesota and Cleveland right now in a title window that they had had built towards, too. And it's just incredible what we wound up seeing last week. For the second time this year, in a 1-2 count with two outs, there was an intentional walk, this time in the Guardians versus White Sox series, to fearsome Oscar Gonzalez with his career <laughs> five home runs. 
Oh, yeah, let's just give him a free base rather than pitching to him. But a one-two count with two outs. It's just absolutely mind-blowing right now. And Tony La Russa, it's not to say that he's a bad manager in terms of the history of baseball. The game is passing by right now. Out of the 30 major league managers, he's by far number 30. And I think that you could get my mother out there to be able to get the White Sox <laughs> to as many wins as Tony La Russa has. It's been really sad. It's joining me on the podcast. We do have Curtis Rogers. And Curtis, just for this weekend in general, obviously Guardians versus the Mariners, it is going to be a massive series. Are there any other ones that you've really got your eye on that you think are going to be very pivotal for what we do wind up seeing moving forward as we get into September? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously with each weekend, with each passing day, the games get more and more important. I look at the schedule for this weekend, that Baltimore-Houston series, there's going to be a lot of movement, I think, in that American League wildcard. I think we're going to learn a lot about Baltimore, whether their staying power is for real or for not. I think we're going to look at this, obviously, Cleveland-Seattle series. That's going to be a big one, too. And then also a series right now in the National League. I mean, you've got Atlanta and St. Louis. That's going to be a really fun one, too. The Braves are running away with the National League wild card. You've got the Cardinals who are fighting for the National League Central race. That's going to be a really fun one. Who knows if those two teams link up in October. And then also, I mean, you got to be on Albert Pujols' home run watch. He is now playing like Albert Pujols of about 2006 at the age of, what, 42 right now? His pursuit of 700 is one of the most fun things to watch in baseball going on right now. Now, that Braves-Cardinals series is going to be hotly contested this weekend. I'm looking forward to watching that one, too. Oh, I'm right there with you. That Braves versus Cardinals series is going to be a good one. Spencer Snyder versus Ozzy Kitana on Friday is going to be incredible as you've got two good pitchers, but you've got two really good offenses as well. And, Curtis, you do a great job of being able to cover the game of baseball. And on top of that, I know your football duties are going to be getting ramped up as well as I know that you do some work over there with the Seattle Seahawks. You also do the Seattle Sports Night and Seattle Sports Saturday podcast as well. So all the good people at home know it's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Yeah, we've got football season starting up a couple of weeks. September 12th is Monday Night Football when the Seahawks take on the Broncos. So we'll be going all out for that. If you can't get enough Drew Locke versus Geno Smith conversation, <laughs> boy, have I got stuff for you. But if <laughs> football coverage but baseball season in full force we've got another edition of extra innings coming out on monday you can download that wherever you get your podcast and also at seattlesports.com that's the show i host on mariners off days so that's coming your way on monday and greg always appreciate you having me on it's unbelievable how much it's already flashed before our eyes we're staring down september already we certainly are and soon We'll be seeing whether or not Drew Locke is putting on for his city or if he's going to be riding the bench. (laughs) Either way, it's probably going to be a little bit more brutal out there in the city of Seattle on the football front rather than the baseball front. But looks like we might finally be getting some October baseball for the good folks over there in Seattle. Curtis is doing a great job covering it every step of the way. And every time he joins this podcast, delivers the goods. A big thanks to Curtis for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast. They give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Friday as we touch them all. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. 
I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my dance, <laughs> There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids. But I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. 
What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are bust. You can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my dance, <laughs> There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids. But I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are bust. You can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. 
Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't supposed to be my my dad. (laughs) (laughs) There's plenty to celebrate in March and Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. It is always great to get Curtis Rogers aboard. He does a great job doing pre- and post-game work over there with Seattle Sports, 710 Seattle Sports out there in the great city. Just doing a great job paying attention to a little bit of everything because on top of that, he's going to be doing a lot of Seattle Seahawks scoreboard work once the NFL season gets started. Always joins by College Basketball Podcast. One that is in season as well, and a man that I've known for quite a while. Always a pleasure to have him aboard. Big thanks to Curtis. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Friday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do you note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at unit underscore 81. We're going to be going in Las Vegas rotation or this is where we wind up going with the National League games first, then the American League games, any interleague games, those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. We do have a few games that are off the board, unfortunately, so we shall do our best with those, and frankly enough, game number one is off the board as we begin with 951, 952 on the betting board. It is the LA Dodgers. They're going to be on the road. They're going to be facing off against the Miami Marlins. The Marlins have yet to settle on a starter, which is why this game is off the board, and Tyler Anderson is going to be on the bump for the Dodgers. Right now, Fangraphs is saying that the projected starter is Trevor Rogers, and if it is Trevor Rogers in his last rehab appearance at the AAA level, he gave up five runs over the course of two innings. He has not been good this year at all and well it would not be too different if we do wind up having a bullpen game if we have a bullpen game I might wind up adjusting by a few cents to the negative but I said the Dodgers minus 221 if they do wind up going up against Trevor Rogers and I'd be willing to lay up to a minus 150 on the run line because when it comes to this LA Dodgers team out of their 86 wins 76 of them have wound up coming by multiple runs so they either lose outright or they wind up winning by multiple runs and for Mr. Anderson, he has been absolutely amazing. For this LA Dodgers team, a 13-2 record. He has given up a combined four earned runs over the course of his last three starts. And has really been able to do a good job of being able to limit the walks. Fewer than two walks per nine innings. He's giving up less than 0.8 home runs per nine innings. ERA does wind up going to a 329 on the road compared to a 220 at home. But still, five home runs. 
surrendered in both locations at 65-plus innings. Meanwhile, if you do wind up getting Mr. Rogers, he has stunningly been significantly worse at home than on the road. The reason why it makes no sense is because Miami is very much a pitcher-friendly ballpark, but he's got a 708 home ERA, 479 road ERA, and it's not like he's backed up by a great bullpen. Steven Okert has been able to do a solid job. He's got right around 250 ERA. Richard Blyer, Dylan Floro, both of these guys have right around about a 3.6 ERA. Oscar Brazobin has been okay as well, but none of these guys necessarily are standouts. And for the Miami Marlins, they have scored three runs or fewer in 22 out of their last 24 games. Four runs or fewer in 23 of them. This is just a deplorable offense at this point. Ever since they wound up losing Chad Shislam along with Ode Soler, things have just went straight down the toilet. But for them, Asus Aguiar is right now the only healthy player for this team with more than seven home runs, and I'm not even kidding when I say that. You have had Charles LeBlanc be able to hit about a 330, which has been nice. Brian Anderson, Joey Wendell, Nick Fortes, they have right around about a 242, 247, but you really don't have anyone other than Anderson that draws walks on this team. It's a really, really bad offense with guys like Brian Day LeClues, JJ Belade, Luan Diaz, throwing their Girard and Carnacion, hitting a 215 or lower. And then for the Dodgers, it's the completed under opposite because you got Mookie Betts at the top of the fold giving you 27 home runs. And then Trey Turner down for what? Freddie Freeman, Max Muncie, Cody Bellinger, Will Smith, all between 16 and 18 home runs. Now, with Muncie and Bellinger, they've had a tough time with. Average, these two guys, along with Austin Barnes, hanging a 210 or lower. Joey Gallo, we all know about his struggles, mostly with New York this season, but Gavin Lux has been able to 300 for this team. Trey Turner sitting about a 310. Freeman sitting about a 325 with a 400 on base. And then for the Dodgers, it's been the unsung heroes in the bullpen that have been solved. We've seen a little bit of regression with Caleb Ferguson, but he and Evan Phillips both posting up a sub-2 ERA. David Price, Alex Vesia, both of these guys have a sub-3 ERA as well. It's really been Craig Kimbrell, who's been the albatross in the bullpen. Phil Burkford has not necessarily been himself, but if it is Anderson versus Rodgers, I'd be willing to set the Dodgers minus 221 on the money line, minus 151 on the run line, and this will be a case in which I think that the Marlins wind up getting held at between two and three runs, so I set my total at 7.27 or less, looking over 7.5 prior to the under. Now we go to the DK and H pick, 953-954 on the betting board. The Cincinnati Reds, yes, we are in Cincinnati. They're under the road face-off against the Washington Nationals, as Cade Savali is going to be making his MLB debut for the Nationals, and Mike Miner hopes to not be a major disappointment for the Reds. Settle on this game is 9. The under setting between minus 110 and minus 120. The over setting between even to minus 110. Anywhere between minus 122 and minus 128 is your price on Washington, with the Reds saying between plus 105 and plus 118. And so the total that opened up at 8.5, even with the rise in the total. DK Nation pick. Still on the over. I set my total closer to a 10 now. With our good friend Savali, who's going to be making his MLB debut. Not bad at the minor league level. He did wind up having his command issues last season, giving up nearly four walks per nine innings. You take a look at what he's been able to do this season, though. He's been able to lower that to more around about a 2.8 per nine innings, so he's been able to shape up a little bit there. But the big thing is on the flip side with Mike Miner, because I actually think that Savali been giving up a little bit less on home run per nine innings at the AAA level, has been able to supply a sub-3-5 ERA. I think that he's actually going to be fine in this art. I think that he gives up a little bit of something, but I don't think that it's going to be too bad for him. But you take a look at Mike Miner, and shall we say, major disappointment. He has made 14 starts this season, and the Reds have won two of them. He's got a 644 ERA, which expands to a 654 on the road as He's given up 18 home runs in 72 and two-thirds innings. Now he's going up against a Nationals team that, in terms of runs scored on a per-game basis at home and in terms of home runs per game, 
there at the bottom of the National League, but Mike Miner has given up runs to everyone at this point. He's made one start against the Nationals, and he gave up five runs over the course of four innings. So it's not going great for him. He's also backed up by the league's worst bullpen ERA as Alexis Diaz has been able to supply a sub-3 ERA. Literally nobody else in this Reds bullpen has an ERA below a 3-1 as Ian Gabo, Buck Farmer, you're able to throw in the Reviers, Martin, Art Warren, all these guys are posting up an ERA of a 4-1-5 or greater. For the Nationals, it's not like it's going great. I will say, bullpen could be a little bit worse. You've had Carl Ward Jr. provide right around a 3 ERA. Kyle Finnegan, Steve Zizek, these are veterans that have been able to supply you with an okay outing. But Zizek is back above a 4 ERA himself. Jake McGee has been all sorts of terrible. And for the Washington Nationals, you do have a couple guys who are able to get on base. Donovan Solano has been able to well above a 3 iron for this team. Nick Zell, Jonathan India, Jake Fraley. These are guys that are hitting in that neighborhood about a 245 now at the bottom of the fold. Guys like Jose Barrero, Asa Romine, Adeside, Sakino. It's been a little bit rough, but you do have yourself some promising bats. And then for the Washington Nationals, Luke Voigt has been able to supply a double-digit amount of homers this season. No doubt losing Josh Bell along with Juan Soto at the trade deadline. That does wind up hurting this offense. But you do have guys that are still able to get on, move the line. Cesar Hernandez, Kibet Ruiz. Able to throw in there Nelson Cruz, Lane Thomas, all in between about a 235 to a 245. You've been able to get a double digit amount of homers out of Lane Thomas. And just take a look at the pitching. I do know that these bets are not necessarily the world's greatest, but when you've got a gentleman in Mr. Savali making his first start of his career at the major league level, and a guy in Mike Miner that I don't know if he would be a good pitcher at a coach pitch level, that should lead to a lot of runs. DK Nation pick is going to be on the over and when it comes to Washington Nationals, I made them a minus 128 favor. We are right in the number that I am willing to lay with them just because Mike Miner has been that major of a disappointment. So DKNH pick going to be on the over, and I'm looking at the Washington Nationals on the money line. 955, 956 on the betting board. It is the Philadelphia Phillies. We're going to be playing us to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Bryce Wilson is going to be going for the Buckos, and Bailey Falter is on the bump for the Phillies. This was supposed to be Zach Wheeler. We were seeing this open up north of minus $3.00. When it was Zach Wheeler. Initial line at DraftKings. Phillies are minus 255 plus 215 on the Pirates with the adjusted number. But most books, they do not have an adjusted number up quite yet. Which is why offerings are limited. The total on this is 8.5 over and under both at minus 110. And I can tell you right now, once we wind up getting more numbers out. Anything north of a plus 225, I'm going to be willing to take a shot on the Pirates. I've set them at a plus 226. I'd be willing to lay up to a minus 120 on the run line with the Phillies, which is what I'm currently seeing at DraftKings. So at the only current number that I'm seeing, I'd be willing to lay the Phillies on the run line. But once again, I'm going to be waiting for more offerings to become available. And I did wind up saying my total at 8.7, so at an 8.5, I would be willing to take a look at an over because do you have a gentleman, Bryce Wilson, that has actually been a little bit better recently. His ERA overall for the season is 574. It's went down to a 440 over the course of his last five starts. The problem with his last five starts is he has given up seven home runs over the course of 20 and two-thirds innings and overall for the season. He's given up right around 1.7 bombs per nine. He's been getting right around six strikeouts per nine innings, but opponents hit, hit a 300 off of him. But it's not like Bailey Falter is going out there and lighting the world on fire. He's made two starts over the last three days, and in those two starts, he did wind up providing 12 innings, giving up three runs, so... That is something that you're able to feel encouraged about. Last time we went up against the Pirates, 
He went six innings, giving up two runs. You've got a little bit of something to build around there, and ironically enough, one of those starts in the last three days wound up coming against the Pirates in very, very late July, and it is a Pirates team that, if you take a look at this offense, it's not necessarily great. You've got one guy, Brian Reynolds, who's been able to do an amazing job. Sitting at 255, he's been able to slug out 20 bombs, and then on top of that, Jason DeLay, Cabrian Hayes, Kevin Newman, they're all laying at 250 or greater with Newman, the headliner with a 267, but then you wind up getting down to the less than trustworthy guys like Cal Mitchell, O'Neill Cruz, Tyler Heineman. You're able to throw in there Josh Van Meter when he's been out there. Yoshi Satsugo, Tokopika, Medicano, all these guys are in a 215 or lower. It's been relatively sad. And for the Pittsburgh Priors, a bottom five team in terms of bullpen. You already called an older man after he had a good start to the season. He has really begun to regress. Will Crow has been able to give you multiple innings. He's providing a sub-3-5 ERA. Chase Young, he's been able to give you a sub-2-50 ERA, and he's able to provide some length, but when you're relying upon someone like a Manny Benuelos for relief, it's not necessarily terrific. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, they're dealing with a pair of injuries of their own, as Corey Knable and Sir Anthony Dominguez are currently on the injured list. David Robertson has been able to do a nice job. If says coming over from the Cubs, he's had right around 2 ERA all season long. Connor Brogdon, under the radar, has been solid along with Brad Hand as well, but do have some issues there. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, Got a lot of firepower in terms of this offense. Kyle Schwarber has been able to slug out 34 bombs this season. The batting average has not been there with him, but you've got Gene Segura back in fold. He geared subs, both hitting right around 290. JT Riemuto has really been the best hitting catcher ever since the beginning of the month of August. Bryson Stott has been beginning to pick it up as well. He had a really rough start to the season, but take a look at what Stott has been able to do over the last three days. He's been hitting right around a 300, so... Very encouraging sign there. And then Reese Hoskins, he's been able to slug out 26 pounds of his own. So I do think that you're going to get a relatively high-scoring game. This is a total in which I did wind up saying an 8.7. So looking over at current numbers, I'd be willing to lay the minus 120 on the run line of the Phillies, but that would be really my max. And once we wind up getting more numbers available, if I wind up seeing the Pirates at north of the 225 plus 225, that's what I'd be settling on. 957, 958 on the bank board. It is the New York Mets. They are going to be playing us to the Colorado Rockies. Chad Cool is going to be going for the Rockies and Chris Bassett as the Oak line and sinker for the Mets. The Mets are a minus 315 to a minus 330 favorite. And between plus 275 and plus 290 is your price on Colorado. Eight is your total. The under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. And with the Rockies, need at least a plus 267 to take a shot here. And we've been able to get there now with Chad Cool. You look like Mr. Cool towards the beginning part of the season then. Things wind up regressing for him, and as a matter of fact, for Chad Cool, this is going to be his very first start since early August, and prior to him winding up having a little bit of a leave, he had given up three-plus runs in each out of his previous six starts, and as highlighted by the wound up giving up, and I'm not even kidding here, 19 runs over the course of his last three starts. That's not necessarily too terrific, but I do think that Perhaps a little bit of time away is actually going to be able to help him out in this case. Just being able to escape the giant struggles because he has been giving up right around 1.55 home runs per nine innings in the neighborhood about four walks per nine innings. Not too much of a swing and miss guy. That's not terrific. And what has been terrific has been Chris Bassett recently. He has given up a grand total of two earned runs, three in total over the course of his last four starts. Two of those starts being against the Philadelphia Phillies, so he's went up against a relatively good competition for Bassett. He has been terrific in New York. 255 home ERA compared to a 412 road ERA, which makes no sense that he's got a 7-2 record on the road and a 4-5 and record at home, but sometimes that's just the way that the cookie crumbles, but he's given up just six home runs over the course of 77 and two-thirds innings at home. He's been able to get eight strikeouts per nine rate at home. That's hovering in the neighborhood of 9.5, but with the Colorado Rockies, even though 
Most of their offense, it does wind up coming at home. This is a Rockies team that they wind up hitting above 40 points lower when they're on the road rather than at home. And the big thing for the Rockies is that they generate right around 1.1, 1.15 home runs per game at home compared to 0.65 home runs on the road. They still do have guys like a C.J. Crone. He has had 17 out of his 24 home runs wind up coming at home, but he is capable of being able to give you the deep ball. You've got someone like a Jose Iglesias who's been hitting above a 300 on the road. Some of the guys like Garrett Hampson towards the bottom of the fold may have been dead bats, but do have some talent out there. And then for the New York Mets, Pete Alonso has always had a little bit of a tough time hitting home runs when he has been at home rather than on the road. As a matter of fact, he wound up leading the big leagues in terms of home runs on the road last season as out of his 30 home runs this season, 12 have wound up coming at home north of 100 RBI as he, Francisco Lindor, Brandon Nimmo, all these guys are in between about a 272 to a 264. And then you're able to throw in there Mark Cannon as well. Daniel Vogelback has been hitting right around 275 since coming over for the team. And Sarli Marte, he's been able to hit nearly a 300 as well. But do have a little bit of shakiness when it comes to this Mets bullpen. They need to be able to get the ball to Edwin Diaz. He has really, in my opinion, been the best reliever in all the big leagues this season. Adam Adovino has been solid, but Yoli Rodriguez, he's registering right around a 5 ERA. It's been a little bit better for Seth Lugo ever since the All-Star break. Prior to the All-Star break, he was really registering an ERA that was north of a 4. Ever since then, it has been sub-3, but Michael Givens has not been what the team was hoping for him for the Colorado Rockies. Daniel Bard has been relatively solid out of the bullpen. They are currently missing Alex Calme, but been able to get some relatively solid innings out of someone like a Justin Lawrence. Lawrence does have a little bit of a better ERA at home rather than on the road, and you're going to find that with a lot of these guys, especially someone like a Lucas Gilbreth, but I do think that the price has gotten up a little bit too lofty here. I do think that the Rockies, as is tradition with them, they're going to be struggling to put up some runs in this game. They always wind up having a tough time with their offense when they are on the road, so I tell us 7.3 is a result looking under, but I do think that Chad Cool coming back in his first start, I do think that he's going to be able to give a little bit of a better effort here. Won't take anything north of plus 265 with the Rockies. So looking Rockies and looking under. 959, 960 on the bank board. It is the Milwaukee Brewers. They play off the Chicago Cubs as Justin Steele is going to be going for the Cubs and Freddie Perbolta is on the bump for the Brewers. The Brewers are a favorite of any between minus 143 and minus 155 and between plus 133 and plus 140. Your price on Chicago, 7.5 is your total. The over and the under are both at minus 110. And I do see a little bit of value here with the Milwaukee Brewers. I wound up saying them minus 157 on the money line. I did need at least a plus 130 to be able to take a shot on the run line. And right now with the Brewers, we're finding that right around a plus 135. This is a circumstance where if I'm able to get that minus 143 that I'm seeing right now, would rather have the money line in this spot because I do agree that this is going to be a little bit of a low-scoring game. I think that it's went a little bit too low. I did wind up saying my total at an 8.2, typically when the Brewers and the Cubs do hook up. You do wind up seeing some lower scoring games, but this is a Cubs team that they are coming off of playing a doubleheader a few days ago against the St. Louis Cardinals. They really did not wind up getting a rest day, unlike the Milwaukee Brewers on Thursday as well. So that does wind up sticking them behind the eight ball, and you do take a look at this Cubs bullpen, and it's not what it was just a few weeks ago as Michael Givens, David Robertson, guys like this. They did wind up getting dealt at the trade deadline, so now you're relying upon guys like Michael Rucker, Mark Leiter Jr., guys that have a 4-plus ERA, Eric Yulman has been someone that they've been using in high-leverage spots, and Freddy Peralta is someone that's a little bit prone to getting carved up himself. Now, he's given up two runs or fewer in each out of his last four starts, but has only went five-plus innings in one of them. That was ironically enough against the Chicago Cubs, a game which it was a calamity of an over if you wanted betting on that one, but for Freddy Peralta, he's made six home starts thus far this season, 
567 only, right? Compared to a 267 ERA on the road, I do believe that a little bit of this has to do with some bad luck because he's been able to do a good job being able to get a little bit over 10 strikeouts per nine innings. And Justin Seal, relatively good strikeout pitcher in his own right, right around nine and a half strikeouts per nine innings. The big thing with Steele, though, is that it's not necessarily the world's greatest at being able to give length, as he does wind up giving up right around three and a half walks per nine innings. ERA does wind up ballooning to a 404 when he is on the road with opponents saying a 260 off of him when he is away from home. Has been able to do an amazing job keeping the ball in the air, giving up right around 0.6 home runs per nine innings, and that's going to be big against the Milwaukee Brewers team, which you've got a trio of guys that will be able to supply at least 23 home runs this season. Hunter Renfro, Willie Adamas, Roddy Tellez are all in that fold now. The big issue that you've got with the Milwaukee Brewers is that you don't necessarily have a lot of guys that hit for a supreme batting average as Renfro, Andrew McCutcheon, Mike Brasso, Christian Yelich, all these guys in between about a 243 to a 258. Now, I will say Kessinera over the last three days, he's been able to hit right around at 300. He's been a very good addition to this Brewers team, but I do think for the Brewers, they're going to be able to do a solid job in the bullpen. Brad Boxberger's been able to provide a sub-3 ERA, the guy that has seen a little bit of fuff. That'd be Hobie Milner. Milner, he's currently got a little bit north of four ERAs here in the month of August. His ERA has reached a nine. That is not necessarily too amazing, but I do expect positive progression to take hold for Taylor Rogers. Literally, his ERA is about three times higher than his fielding independent ever since the All-Star break. It has been amazing to watch how that has been happening. He's doing for a little bit of positive progression. And Devin Williams, over his last 39 appearances, he has given up just two earned runs, ironically enough, one of them coming against the Chicago Cubs. And for the Cubs, you do have a little bit of firepower with Patrick Wisdom along with Bolsa Contreras, both being able to provide 20-plus home runs with Contreras. He's been able to do a good job of being able to move the line as he, along with Ian App, both have been able to provide right around a 350 on base. Nico Horner is hitting a 290 for this team. You've got Christopher Morrell, who's been hitting in the pocket about a 250 to a 255 with C.A. Suzuki. So I do think that there should be enough offense for this game to be able to go over. Both of these guys that are starting do have their walks issues, but I do think that the Brewers, they've got a little bit of a leg up, especially in the bullpen. So wanting to take the Brewers here on the money line and here at the 7.5 looking at over as well. 961-962 on the betting board. The Atlanta Braves at the road face off against the St. Louis Cardinals. Jose Quintana going to be going for the Cardinals. Spencer Strider is on the bump for the Bravos, and the Braves are a pretty sizable favorite of between minus 137 and minus 145. Between plus 120 and plus 135 is your price on the Cardinals. Total on this game is 7.5 over and under both at minus 110. Divide of saying is 7.8. I do like both of these pitchers, and with Kitana, not necessarily the world's greatest swing and miss guy, but someone that has been able to do a good job of holding the ball in the yard all season long, but you do take a look at the two offenses that are going to be doing battle in this one, and they've been two of the best in the National League, as even while having a little bit of a funk, Austin Riley, despite the fact that he's got just three home runs over his last 25 games, he still has 31 home runs, as he, Dansby Swanson, Michael Harris, the second, in between about a 280 to a 295 this season. All these guys have done a great job of being able to move the line. Matt Olson has been a little bit hit or miss in terms of the way that he's been able to get on base, but he's got 27 home runs this season, nine bombs over his last 110 at bats, so he's been able to do a solid job of staying out there. Obviously, the Marcel Zuna situation. Not so great, but with Spencer Strider, if you do have one concern with him, it is the walks rate. He has been giving up right around 3.3 to 3.4 walks per nine innings, but what I will say about Spencer Strider as well is that even though he did wind up having his walks issues towards the beginning of the season, he has made four starts here in the month of August. Six walks rendered over the course of 20 and a third innings, but really post-All-Star break, his walks per nine rate is one sub three, so that is big for him because I mean, he's still been getting right around 13 strikeouts per nine innings. It has been amazing for Kitana, more like eight punch-outs per nine innings, but he gives up right around 0.7 home runs per nine innings. Strider has done a good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard as well. Now, 
for Quintana in his starts when he has been away from Pittsburgh overall for the season. He does have a little bit north of a 4 ERA, so a little bit of concern there. He made one start against the Atlanta Braves earlier this season. Did wind up giving up four runs over the course of five innings, but I do think that he's going to be able to do a little bit of a better job here. He's backed up by a bullpen that does involve Genesis Cabrera. He's seen a little bit of regression recently, but as a sub-3-5 ERA, he's able to give you multiple innings. Packy Naughton has been able to do a solid job as well. Now, this is a Cardinals team that they did not wind up getting a day of rest for their bullpen, but with that said, you did wind up having Dakota Hudson being able to fill seven innings. That is actually very big for them. They are currently dealing with an injury to Ryan Helsley, so that winds up making it all the bigger as he was supposed up a sub-2 ERA, but Giovanni Gagos has been solved for this team as well. And then take a look at Paul Goldschmidt. And Paul Goldschmidt coming off a 5 RBI and a home run yesterday. Actually, two home runs yesterday. He's got 33 on the campaign. And then you've got Nolan Arenado hitting in that neighborhood about a 300. He's been able to supply north of 25 home runs ever since Paul DeYoung has been sent back up to the major leagues. He's been solved. Lars Nootbaar has been able to give you north of a 350 on base ever since the All-Star break. Brandon Donovan has been able to 300. Nolan Gorman already has a pair of multi-home run games as far as the season. As he's went deep 13 times, about 245 at-bats. So it's a very formidable Cardinals lineup. And I do think that they are going to be able to do a good job of being able to work the count against Spencer Strider. The Atlanta Braves bullpen overall has been number two in terms of ERA with guys like A.J. Minter, Tyler Bazek being able to do a solid job. But they've seen a little bit of shakiness. Kenley Jansen has actually been one of the more trustworthy pieces recently since coming off of the injured list. Rossi Iglesias is someone that they're looking to buy low on as well. But I do think that the Cardinals, while he should be a little bit of an underdog, are going to be able to get a good start out of Keaton. I do think that this high-powered offense of the Cardinals Going to be able to get to Spencer Strider here at a 7.5, looking at the over and anything of a plus 129 or more looking Cardinals. So, looking Cardinals and looking over. 9.63, 9.64 on the betting board. It is the LA Angels. They throw it face off against the Toronto Blue Jays as Mitch White is going to be on for the Jays and Reed Detmers is on the bump for the Angels. 8.5 is your total. Over is between minus 110 and minus 115. The under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. Between plus 150 and plus 165, your price on the Halo is anywhere between minus 170 and minus 180 is the number on the Blue Jays. Need at least a plus 165 to take a shot on the Angels, so we are starting to get to that price, and I can tell you right now, I don't think that money is going to be pouring in on the Angels, even though I do think that it should be a little bit more, because with the LA Angels, Reed Detmers has actually been able to perform very well for this team down the stretch. He wound up having the no-hitter that wound up really being able to launch him for the season, but really the best work of Reed Detmers has come in his last few starts. He is in his last four starts, posted up right around a 309 ERA, and the strikeout numbers, they're starting to get elevated. In the span of his last four starts, he has been getting a little bit over 11 strikeouts per nine innings. He's been able to do a relatively solid job of not giving up the deep ball as well as over the course of his last four starts, he has given up just two home runs in the science span. And overall for the season, more around 1.2 home runs per nine innings. But post-all-star break, this has really went down as well. For Detmers, it has been a case in which he has not necessarily been quite the same on the road as he has been at home. 320 home area compared to a 429 area on the road. But also, five home runs given up in 42 innings on the road. So relatively solid on that front as well. But then you take a look at Mitch White and... He wound up beginning the season with the LA Dodgers, and he hasn't been bad. He hasn't been great. There's nothing that really stands out that makes you think that he's going to be getting rocked in this spot, and there's really nothing that makes you think that he's going to be able to go out there and deliver a gem. He's got a 363 ERA, giving up a little bit less than a home run per nine innings. His walks per nine rate is three. His strikeouts per nine rate, right around a seven and a half. At home this year, right around a 280 ERA. Obviously, keep in mind, most of those starts coming in Los Angeles on the road, more about a 4-5 ERA, but 
opponents overall hit about a 246 off of them, and I think that that's what we can expect in this circumstance. And when it comes to the LA Angels, you have been able to have Mike Trout be able to come back and look relatively solid. He got a pair of homers in that series against the Tampa Bay Rays, so very good to be able to see him be able to bounce back there. And then Joy Otani, obviously he's been tremendous, 27 bombs. He's hitting a 260, but the bottom of the fold has really been tough for this team. Kurt Suzuki, Max Stassi. Andrew Velasquez, Jose Rojas. You're able to throw on there just so many guys. They're going to get 220 or lower, like a Joe Adele, Mike Ford. Take a look at the starting lineup that they threw out there yesterday. Just very deplorable as Jared Walsh has been hanging below a buck 75 ever since the All-Star break. Taylor Ward has seen big-time regression there. And for the LA Angels, not necessarily the world's greatest bullpen. They were able to preserve a lot of their pieces, like Jose Quijada, along with Jimmy Hergett. Yesterday, so these are more trustworthy guys, and we've been seeing Ryan Tapera pitch a little bit better, but certainly not a bullpen that you want to be too invested in. Meanwhile, for the Toronto Blue Jays, they do wind up getting Tim Mesa back in the fold. They've been able to get some very good production as well out of their closer in Jordan Romano. Throwing there, Yimmy Garcia, Adam Simber, along with David Phelps, all guys giving you a 3 2 ERA or better, and then you do have a lineup that has been pretty formidable as Vladimir Guerrero Jr. over the last 15 games. He's been able to go deep four times. You've had George Springer be able to do a solid job of being able to provide a 350 on base. Double-digit amount of homers for him. Teoscar Hernandez. He, Boba Shett, along with Santiago Espino, Rami Altapia, only between about a 260 and 270. Really not a lot of weaknesses in this lineup aside from when you've got like Danny Jansen or Jackie Bradley Jr. in the fold. But I do think that Detmers is going to continue his turn around. I think that Mitch White is going to be solid. Nothing great, nothing terrible, but I think that this is getting up a little bit too jockey. Plus 165 or greater, I'm going to be willing to take a shot on the LA Angels. I did wind up saying my total at 8.1 with the Angels since the beginning of the month of June. They've been averaging right around 3.1 runs per game, so I do think that it's going to be a little bit of a lower scoring affair. So, looking at the under and at a plus 165 or greater, willing to take a shot on the Angels as we go 965, 966 on the bank board. It is the Tampa Bay Rays on the road facing off against the Boston Red Sox. Michael Waka is going to be going for the Red Sox. To be determined is on the bump for the Rays, and the reason why the Rays are to be determined is it's a matter of whether or not Ryan Yarbrough is going to be the starter or if he's going to be the bulk guy. And for Ryan Yarbrough, he actually is one of the very few guys, and I feel like I say this before every Ryan Yarbrough start and or bulk appearance, but he really is one of these guys in which the opener winds up working for him, and it doesn't work for too many guys, but when Ryan Yarbrough winds up coming out of the bullpen, his strikeouts per nine rate is actually a little bit lower, but the thing that winds up happening is he's able to just have a little bit more control in general. As a starter, 475 ERA, 10 and 20 career record on the bullpen, 28 and 10 record. Now, coming out of the bullpen, it's a little bit easier for him to be able to get wins, so that does wind up helping a little bit because if you don't wind up going a full five, you can't get the win as a starter, but a full point lower on his ERA coming out of the bullpen rather than as a starter, and both have a big sample size of north of 240 innings. Meanwhile, for Michael Walker, he's been able to do a very solid job all season long for this Boston Red Sox team, and it's really been their one being constant in terms of pitching this year, which I never thought I would say about Michael Walker, but he's got a 228 ERA. Now, he is doing for a little bit of regression. He's been only giving up about 2.6 walks per nine innings. Strikeout numbers are about as low as they've ever been for his career, but he's done a great job being able to keep the ball in the yard. 0.75 home runs per nine innings. Only about 6.8 strikeouts per nine, but you do take a look at things and fielding independent is hovering right around at 360, so I do think that there is going to be a little bit of regression on balls and play. He has been very lucky, and as a result, opponents thus far this season only in a 205 off of them. I do think that we're going to be seeing the Tampa Bay Rays be able to rise up a little bit, but with the Tampa Bay Rays, they do have a little bit of shakiness on offense. Now, they get back Harold Ramirez, and that is massive because he has been 
yesterday, but right around about 8.330 for this bunch this season. And then you do have Randy Rosarena. He's been able to supply 17 home runs. Isaac Paredes, he wound up having a pair of homers in that series against the Angels. He's up to 16 for the season, but you're able to throw in there Taylor Walls, Paredes, who I mentioned, Yu Chang, Jose Siri. These guys for the season are all aiming a 220 or lower. That's a little bit of an issue now. Manuel Margot wound up making a little bit of an appearance in that series against the Angels. He's been able to 300 for the season, along with Roman Quinn, who came over from the Phillies. Overall, for the season, it's been rough since coming over to the race. He's been able to provide a 340 on base. So, if you got an offense that's starting to shape up a little bit, and we know that with the Tampa Bay Rays, they're able to back up, whether it be Ryan Yarbrough as a bulk guy or a starter with a very good bullpen. And typically, it has been Jalen Beeks who has served as the opener for him. As Beeks, he has made seven starts as far this season. And overall, he's got right around 250-80 ERA. It's been a little bit more shaky for him recently, but he's been solid. The team winds up getting back. JT Chargois, P. Fairbanks, these are two very big pieces to the bullpen. Jason Adam, he's got a sub-2 ERA, even with J.P. Fireeyes and on the fold for much of the season. You've gotten good results out of Brooks, Rayleigh, Colin Pooch, and for the Boston Red Sox, they've got a full point higher on their ERA post-All-Star break than any other team out there in the big leagues. Brian Brazier, Matt Barnes, Jurisic Vermillion, Austin Davis, all these guys north of a 5 ERA this season. Now, Garrett Woodlock, when you've got him available, he's able to give you multiple innings. He's been saw John Schreiber. He's posting up a 235 ERA, but take a look at him over the last, we're going to call it three weeks, and his ERA has been closer to a 5, so we've seen a little bit of regression there. I do think that Waka is going to be able to turn a relatively solid start. I do think that this matchup against the race suits him well, so I do wind up setting the Red Sox as a minus-133 favorite, assuming Yarbrough is the starter. If Yarbrough actually comes out of the bullpen, I'd be willing to bump this down about 8, maybe even 10 cents, so I'm going to be keeping my eyes on that, and either way, whether Yarbrough is a starter or the bulk guy, one I'm setting my total at 8.3, 8 or less, looking over 8.5 prior to the under. 9.67, on the main board, it is the Walker, Texas Rangers. They're going to be playing us to the Detroit Tigers as Tyler Alexander is going to be gone for the Tigers, and you've got Glenn Otto who's going to be on the bump for the Rangers, and with the Rangers, they are favorite anywhere between minus 165 and a minus 158. Meanwhile, with the Tigers, they are between plus 140 and plus 158 is your total. The over is minus 120 on the 8, and the under, it is even, and when it comes to the Tigers, needed at least a plus 158 to be able to take a shot here. If you're taking a look at the run line, find that at a plus 125 in terms of the Rangers, and I do need a little bit closer to about a plus 135 price when it comes down to it. I do think that in some form or fashion, I'm probably going to be fighting myself on the Detroit Tigers, whether that be getting a run and a half if this winds up getting closer to a 135 or so. But I do take a look at Tyler Alexander. I've been very impressed by what he's been able to do in a little bit of a longer role as he wanted to be getting most of the season, especially when he wanted coming off the injured list, coming out of the bullpen. But he's really been able to do a good job of being able to lengthen himself out. Wanted going seven strong innings in a start against Cleveland a few weeks ago and has been able to go five plus in each out of his last four starts, giving up three runs or fewer in each out of his last five starts and has done a great job keeping the ball in the yard. Seven Home runs given up over the course of 60 and a third innings. Much of this wound up happening prior to him going on the injured list towards the beginning part of the season, but the command of just a little bit fewer than two walks per nine innings, something that you are able to build around, and for Glenn Otto, he's actually been significantly worse at home rather than when he has been on the road. For Otto, posting up a 353 road ERA, a 598 home ERA is he has given up eight home runs over the course of 43 and two-thirds innings when he has been at home. The strikeout stuff that he wound up doing a good job of at the minor league level it has not yet translated to the major league level. It's getting right around 6.8, 6.9 strikeouts per nine innings. His walks per nine rate hovers in the neighborhood about a five. So he has had a relatively rough time in terms of command. Now, 
Good news is he's facing off against the Detroit Tigers team, in which this offense is absolutely deplorable. They wind up trading away Robbie Grossman at the trade deadline. You've got Spencer Torkelson currently at the AAA level, but you still have Zach Short along with Tucker Barnard, Jonathan Scope, Jameer Candelario, Akil Badu, Cody Clements, all hitting a 208 or lower for this bunch. It has been very sad. Javi Baez is right now leading the way with 11 home runs, and the team has now 72 home runs in 125 games. Aaron Judge and Anthony Rizzo as a duo, they've still got more home runs than this entire Tigers team. Meanwhile, the Rangers, they are coming off of scoring 16 runs in their last game at Coors Field, and they have scored 4-plus and now four out of their last five games. You do have some very good balanced power when it comes to this team, as Marcus Simeon, Adolis Garcia, along with Nate Lowe. They all have 20 home runs this season. You've got Adolis Garcia, along with Corey Seager, Jonah Heim, only between about a 247 to a 257 Seager, leading the way with 26 home runs, but... You even have someone like uh, Zeke Duran, who's been able to about a 250 for this team. Charlie Garverson, a 265. Lots of guys that they move the line, but ever since the Joe Barlow injury in the bullpen for the Rangers, we have seen things wind up going a little bit southward for them. Brock Burke, Matt Moore are both providing a 205 ERA or better, but Dennis Santana, over the last two and a half months, he's got an ERA that is literally north of 10. It's been bad. Josh Saboris has been posting up a 5 ERA. Jose Leclerc has been very shaky to say the least. It's been better recently to be able to get his ERA back down to about a 309, but certainly has been touch and go there. And for the Detroit Tigers, really their best attribute is the fact that they do have a top 8 bullpen in terms of ERA. Will Vest has not necessarily been too trustworthy for the team, but past that, got a lot of guys like Jose Cicerno, Andrew Chafin, Joey Menez, Alex Lang, throw in there someone like a Jason Foley. All these guys posting up a sub-3-5 ERA. They have been able to do a relatively solid job. This is going to come down to a little bit of line movement as to where I am going to be falling on this one because with the Rangers, I did wind up making them on the money line more in the neighborhood about a minus-158. And as I am doing this podcast, I am seeing this go down at the Westgate tomorrow on a minus-154. So if we continue to see this go downward, I'm going to be taking a look at the Rangers. If we wind up getting the Tigers more on a plus-160, I'll be siding with them. So a little bit of movement here as of right now with the movement that I want to blast seeing I'd be on the Rangers, but I'll be taking a look at this overnight. Personally, one to lay up to minus 158 there, and did my saying my toilet at 8.1 with the way that the Tigers have been hitting. It's a little bit tough, but Glenn Otto not necessarily a guy that I want to trust in for a lot of scoreless settings, so looking at an 8 over, and I'm looking at the Rangers up to a minus 158. 969, 970 on the bank board. It is the Houston Astros a playoffs to the Baltimore Orioles as Kyle Bradish is going to be going for the Orioles and Lance McCullers Jr. is on the bump for Houston. No numbers currently up on this game. I'm not quite sure why, as I wound up having this be the projected starters overnight. But with that said, I did wind up handicapping this with the Astros in this pitching matchup being a minus 224 favorite. And if you're looking at the run line, would be willing to lay up to a minus 115 there. I do recognize the Orioles have been the best run line team in all of baseball, but the bullpen has been a little bit more shaky recently. Now, so have a bunch of guys that have been able to do an incredible job in this bullpen. Keegan Aiken, Dylan Tate, CNL Perez, Joy Creeble, Felix Batista, all posting up a 3-1 ERA or better. So, I mean, these guys have still been relatively locked down, but hard to have a lot of faith in Kyle Bradish. He has been the guy that has struggled the most, in my opinion, out of all the Orioles. 6-29 home ERA, 6-18 road ERA. He's given up 15 home runs over the course of 72 innings this season. His walks per nine rate is a little bit north of three. Meanwhile, Lance McKellars Jr. did not wind up looking too sharp in his AAA rehab starts. Coming up just three runs over the course of 11 innings thus far in his two starts. Now, you want to going six scoreless against the Oakland A's. 
Gave up three to the Atlanta Braves over the course of five innings. I think that you wind up getting something in between, even though you want to going six scoreless against the A's. Keep in mind, it is against an Oakland A's offense that, well, it stinks, but you know what? With the Houston Astros, they've been able to do a good job of being able to fortify their lineup a little bit more. They add Christian Vasquez at the trade deadline. He's been able to 285, and then got a lot of guys are sort of hitting that fold of, I would say, about a 255 to a 265. Alex Bregman, Trey Boom Mancini. For a lot of the season, Jeremy Pena's been there. He's been a little bit touch and go along Kyle Tucker. And then for Tucker, Jose Altuve, both between 20 and 22 home runs. Jordan Alvarez has seen a little bit of a shrinkage in his numbers since the trade deadline, but still has given you 30-plus home runs, 400 on base. You've been able to have, when he's been out there, someone like a Yoli Gurriel be able to start to step up as well. He wound up having a rough start to the season, but you take a look at Yoli Gurriel over the last 30 days. He's been able to right around about a 285 as well. And then for the Astros, then the New York Yankees really trading spots for that number one bullpen in terms of ERA ranking as Seth Martinez, Brian Abreu, Ryan Stanek, Rafael Montero all been able to provide a sub-3 ERA. You've been able to get good innings out of Ryan Presley. And then on the flip side, got an Orioles team that they do have a relatively solid offense and a lot of balance in terms of their offense. Their one main guy in terms of home run power is Anthony Santander. He's been able to slug out 21 home runs this season, but past that, Ryan Mountcastle's went deep 18 times. Austin the Sayers kid, Ore Mateo, Rudad Odor, Cedric Mullins, all between 11 and 13, and you're able to throw in there another guy who's been able to do a solid job in Ramon Odias as Odias, Mountcastle, along with Santander, Ryan McKenna, Adelie Rushman, all these guys are in between about a 252, 260, and Cedric Mullins. He was a silver slugger last season. He has really been able to rise up over the last three days. He's been able to provide a 340 on base. He and Orde Mateo, who's also hitting above a 300 over the last three days. Both of these guys towards the top five in terms of stolen bases. Got to feel like there's going to be some juices flowing here. It's going to be Trey Boomo Mancini's first time playing against the Baltimore Orioles, but I do think that the pitching matchup is going to be favoring that of the Astros. Want to lay up to a minus 116 with this Astros run line. Somebody told it at 8.4, 8 or less. Going to be looking at an over 8.5 prior to the under. We need at least a plus 225 to take a shot on Baltimore. 971, 972 on the bank board. The New York Yankees at the red face off against the Oakland A's. J.P. Sears is going to be going for the A's, and Garrett Cole is on the bump for the Yankees. No numbers up on this game either. Very curious. We've got quite a few games in which pitching matchups are known, but really no overnight numbers. I am not sure how, and I'm not sure why, but it's a discussion for another day. We just got to break down what is available to us, but when it comes to Cole versus Sears, as long as I'm getting a plus 220 or greater, and I do think I'm probably going to wind up getting that number with the Oakland A's, I'd be willing to take a shot here. Garrett Cole, you're paying for the name and the name alone on him because he's not been great on the road. 379 road ERA, 315 home ERA. He's given up in both locations. 10 plus home runs this season with 10 home runs at 61 and two-thirds innings away from home. Overall, guys are aiming just a 212 off of him and the strikeout numbers, they're still certainly there. He's still been able to get right around 11 punch outs per nine innings, but don't sleep on J.P. Sears. Not a guy that has been able to get a lot of strikeouts. Right around six punch outs per nine innings, actually closer to five and a half, but he doesn't give out a lot of walks. His walks per nine rate hovers in the neighborhood about a 2.2. He's given up just two home runs over the course of 37 and a third innings. Pitching out there in Oakland, where it's as pitcher-friendly as it gets, this is going to suit him very well, and ever since he has come to Oakland, he's made three starts, and he's given up three runs with opponents saying a 241 off of him. This guy is solid. He's going up against a Yankees team that last time they wound up going up against someone that they traded at the trade deadline in Jordan Montgomery. He held them scoreless. Now, this is a Yankees lineup that, no doubt, they have Aaron Judge, who wound up having a home run in back-to-back games in the Subway Series. He's got 48 overall for the season, then Anthony Rizzo behind him. He's got 28 bombs. These guys have been absolutely magnificent, but they've been a little bit banged up. The Matt Carpenter 
Carpenter injury. I really do think has hurt this team. John Carlos Stanton is starting to come back for this team. That all, but Stanton, Anthony Rizzo, Josh Donaldson, all hitting a 228 or lower. Entering into Thursday, now Isaiah Canerfalefa, Jose Trevino. He's has to be able to move the line, hitting about a 265. DJ turned it up LeMayu. He's been able to provide a 375 on base, but you can tell that LeMayu has been a little bit banged up when he's been out there, hitting more around a 265 over the last five weeks or so, so that has been a tad bit of an issue. Now, the Yankees' bullpen has still been solid. Even with Clay Holmes on the injured list, you've been able to get good production out of Luke Trevino ever since he's come over to this team. Luke Bard is able to give you multiple innings. He's posted up a 2 ERA this season. Lucas Lukey, since the beginning of the month of June, has a sub-2 ERA. Ron Metanacchio, very underrated guy. He's got a buck 72 ERA, but then for the Oakland A's, Danny Jimenez, Sam All, A.J. Puck, Domingo Acevedo, Zach Jackson, all providing a 3-2 ERA or better. I do think that this is going to be a low-scoring game. I do think that Cole winds up making one or two big mistakes, so even against an Oakland A's lineup that it's not too great. You do have Sean Murphy, who's been very good for the team. He and Seth Brown combined 33 home runs. Murphy is hitting at 255, but he is the only guy that has had over 25 at-bats this season that's hitting above a 236. That is a big issue, and for Oakland at home, they're hitting right around about a 207, 208 as a collective as guys like Brown, who I mentioned before, Tony Kemp, Sheldon Noisy, Sky Bolt. These guys are only at 223 or lower. They've been without Ramon Laureano, but anything of a 218 or higher. One big shot on the ace. Semi-total at 6.8 as well, so 6 half or less looking at an over, 7 or higher. Through the under, as we go 973 and 974 on the bank board, the Cleveland Guardians at third face-off against the Seattle Mariners as Logan Gilbert is going to be going for Seattle and Shane Bieber. as a fever for getting strikeouts for the Cleveland Guardians. So on this game, is anywhere between 6.5 and 7. On the 7, the under is minus 125. The over is plus 105 on the 6.5. The over is minus 125, and the under is plus 105. Well, to pick them game here, both Cleveland and Seattle, anywhere between minus 104 and minus 110 on the money line. And I don't want to mess with the total once again in this one after we wind up having some bad fortune after getting four runs in the first and nothing after that. And I did want to take my total here at a 6.8. So this is a spot in which at a 7, I'd be taking a look at the under. And I would rather have a 7 under rather than a 6.5 over. Just given the juice right now, if we'd be able to get more like a minus 115 on the 6.5, then we'd be talking. But as of right now, I would rather have a little bit more of a 7 under because both of these bullpens do rank in the top 8 of the big leagues. In terms of ERA, Emmanuel Class A did not wind up getting used up for the Cleveland Guardians yesterday. And then you've got Nick Sandlin along Trevor Steven who have been able to provide a sub-3 ERA. They're waiting in the wings. Anya De Los Santos has been solved with a 283 ERA as well. And you take a look at both of these guys and both of these guys are young studs with Shane Bieber. The strikeout numbers are down a little bit this season, but I mean, he's still getting 9 strikeouts per 9 innings. He's still giving up right around .8 home runs per 9 innings. And for Bieber, he's been able to do a very good job on the road. 3 ERA compared to a 3.27 at home. He's given up 0.9 home runs per 9 innings on the road to walks per 9 innings. So he's been sawed away from Cleveland. And then for Logan Gilbert, it's been a case in which we have seen things wind up progressing a little bit for him. Last five starts, he's given up five home runs and a 6.84 ERA overall. The strikeout numbers have been down a little bit. And for Logan Gilbert overall for the season, he has been able to get right around 8.1, 8.2 strikeouts per 9 innings while giving up a little bit over a home run per 9 innings. But 406 home ERA compared to a 3.15 ERA on the road. But with that said, the Mariners, ever since the beginning of the month of June, they have had the most dominant bullpen in terms of ERA in the big leagues. They did wind up having to use up Andres Munoz yesterday, but Penn Murphy, Paul Seawald, Eric Swanson have all been able to give you an ERA of a two or better with Eric Swanson. He did wind up getting used up yesterday as well, but that was really his second usage over the last five days, so he should be available in this game. Matt Brash is someone that they used up yesterday, and he's been one of their less than trustworthy guys, so actually helps them out a little bit. And for Seattle, reason why they want to be able to get the 
job done on Thursday. Mitch Haniger is back. He had 39 home runs during the 2021 season. He's a big key for this team, and you want it coming up big for them all season long last season. I expect the same year down the stretch. Julio Rodriguez and Eugenio Suarez have both been able to combine for 43 home runs this season. Both of these guys between a 328 and a 335 on base. Suarez, not quite the batting average of Rodriguez and Rodriguez 23 stolen bases, but both of these guys have been solid. Now towards the bottom of the fold, guys like Dylan Moore, Cal Raleigh, Abraham Toro, Carlos Santana, they've had a little bit of a rough go of it, but J.P. Crawford has been able to move the line, hitting right around 260 and for the Guardians. The main bugaboo that you've got with this team has been the lack of power, but with that said, out of the 99 home runs that they've been able to slug out this season, most of them have wanted coming on the road with 63 of them, but we've got Josh Naylor, Andres Jimenez, Amid Rosario, Jose Ramirez, Stephen Kwan, Oscar Gonzalez, all these guys have been able to hit a 270 or better for the team. Ramirez has been the main guy in terms of being able to supply the power over 100 RBI. 25 home runs to Menace. He's hitting above a 300. So I do think that you're going to have yourself a game in which we're not going to be seeing a lot of fireworks, especially with this being a nighttime game out there in Seattle. I did wind up saying the Mariners has a minus 132 favorite. I do think that they're going to be able to do a good job on their turf, despite the fact that the Guardians 18-10 and 10 over the last 30 days in their last 28 games. I'm willing to take the Mariners in a little bit of bounce back for a little and Gilbert, and once again, did by him saying my total is 6.8. If we could get better juice on a 6.5, I'd be looking at an over. With that said, I personally rather have a little bit more of a 7 under, if that's the way that it winds up shaking out. 975, 976 on the betting board. And as you can see, Royals, they play us the San Diego Padres as Joe Musgrove is going to be on the bump for the pods, and Chris with a K boobitch is on the bump for the Royals. Royals are between plus 155 and plus 165 underdogs. Between minus 174 and minus 180 is your price on the Padres. 8 to 8.5 is your total on the 8.5. Under is minus 120 and the over is even on the 8. The over is minus 120 and the under is even. And with the Padres, their run line in between minus 115 and minus 120. And with the Padres, I was willing to lay up to a minus 125 on their run line up to a minus 194 in terms of the money line. So I'm going to be taking a look at the Padres with Chris with the K. Bubich. He's actually had worse results at home rather than on the road with Bubich. 529 ERA overall. There have already been two games in which he has be- failed to get out of the first inning at home this season. 536 home ERA compared to a 521 ERA on the road and hasn't really given up the deep ball too much. Right around 1.15 home runs per nine innings. A big bugaboo has been the walks. Four and a half walks per nine innings. Opponents are a 288 off of them. Then I will say for Chris with the K, Bubich, We've seen a little bit of a revival from 467 ERA over the course of his last five starts, giving up just two home runs in that time span. has been very much touch and go with him all season long as he's now given up at least three runs in four out of his last five starts. Some of them have been unearned, though, and he has been able to do a little bit of a better job in terms of consistency. And for Joe Musgrove, ever since he wound up having his first 12 starts of the year, all be starts of which he went six plus innings, giving up two runs of fear. We have seen a little bit of regression here, but two runs of fear surrendered in three out of his last five starts. And I do think that Musgrove is going to be able to deliver as he's been solid on the road all season long. 275 home ERA, 307 ERA on the road, giving up less than a home run per nine innings when he's been on the road seven months over the course of 70 and a third innings. Strikeout numbers, they are there as well as he's been able to get right around nine punch outs per nine innings. His walks per nine rate, that is in the pocket of about two as well for the Padres. We have seen Josh Hader just not be able to revive for the bullpen what we were expecting, but Nabel Crisman has a sub three year. He's able to give you multiple innings. You've been able to get some good production as well out of Robert Suarez after a very rough start to the season. His ERA is back down to a 259 over the last three days. He's posted up a sub 125 ERA. Tim Hill has been able to do a solid job recently as well for the Padres. I do think that this offense is eventually going to be able to get online. You've got a trio of guys with at least 22 home runs. Manny Machado, Juan Soto, throwing their Brandon Drury as well. And you do have guys that 
do a nice job of being able to move the line. Awesome Kim over the last two months has been hitting north of a 280 for this team. You've been able to get some good production as well out of Jerickson Profire, right around a 340 on base for MJ Cronenworth. Spent a little bit touching go, but he's been able to draw his walks, get right around a 340 on base of his own as well. Manny Machado's been hitting right around a 300 all season long. And then for the Kansas City Royals, you do have a trio of guys that will be able to give you 14 plus home runs. MJ Melendez, Bobby Wood Jr., Salvador Perez have all been able to do a solid job on this front. Now, MJ Melendez has been very hot and cold all season long as a result. Batting average is right around 226 as he, Ryan O'Hearn, along with Nate Eaton, Nick Prado, Kyle Isbell, all these guys are at 226 or lower. Salvador Perez is as well, but Perez been a little bit better since coming off the injured list, but Bobby Wood Jr. hanging in the neighborhood about a 250. Started out the year rough. He's been able to play much better recently. Michael Massey has been able to give you right around 270, but with that said, for the Kansas City Royals, the reason why I can't trust in them. Bullpen is currently dead last in the American League. Amir Garrett has been a little bit better, but still registering north of a 4 ERA for the season. Scott Barlow, Dylan Coleman, they both have sub-3 ERAs, and they're Kicking the tires on Anthony Machevich, who started out the year with Seattle. He's got north of a 4-5 ERA, but Taylor Clark going on the injured list after he was looking very solid. That one of putting them was a Kuas has seen some regression. Luke Weaver is a guy that has pretty much become unpitchable at this point. So it's a circumstance where I'm going to be willing to lay up to a minus 125 with regards to Padres on the run line. Did wind up saying my total at 8.3. was expecting, not going to lie, a little bit more out of this Padres lineup. But I personally rather have an 8 over rather than an 8.5 under. And the only 8.5 I'm seeing is also at DraftKings, which I cannot utilize that out here in Las Vegas. So looking at an 8 over and the Padres on the run line, 977, 978 on the bank board. The Diamondbacks that throw it face off against the Chicago White Sox. That's Johnny Cueto who goes for the Sox. And Tommy Henry is on the bump for Arizona. 8.5 is your total. The over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. With the White Sox, say between minus 170 and minus 180. Between plus 150 and plus 164, your price on Arizona. You need at least a plus 174 to take a shot on Arizona, which means got to take a look at the run line. Find that at a plus 115 with the White Sox. Looks like it opened up a plus 130. I'd be willing to take a plus 115, though. Plus 112 or greater is really what I do need for this White Sox run line. And for Johnny Cueto, it's been interesting to take a look at his splits because he has actually been significantly better on the road than he has been at home. A steady Eddie guy, but 336 home here compared to a buck 81 on the road with Cueto. He's been giving up right around two blocks per nine innings. He's kept the ball in the yard, giving up 0.9 home runs per nine innings. But that balloons at home. He's been giving up more around 1.15 home runs per nine innings when he has been at home. Opponents overall, they did 255 off him. He's a little bit more of a pitch of contact guy. He's registering fewer than six strikeouts per nine innings. Tommy Henry, he's a guy with a lot of upside that pitching to a little bit more contact himself. Strikeouts per nine is right around a seven, but he's been consistent. He has given up a combined five runs over the course of his last three starts, going north of five innings in every one of them. One of them includes a start on the road at Coors Field as well. So it was very impressive to see that out of him. He's a guy that wound up playing his college baseball over there at Michigan. At the minor league level, he had a little bit more swing and miss. And I do think that that is going to step up a little bit more after this start because the White Sox, they've actually been one of the better teams and not wind up having a whole bundle of strikeouts against guys like Tommy Henry. But for the White Sox, they actually do wind up hitting a little bit better on the road than at home. The White Sox actually have the best road batting average out there in the big leagues, and it regresses a little bit in Chicago. And you just haven't been able to have a lot of power with this White Sox team. They're in the bottom six in the big leagues in terms of overall home runs. Luis Robert, Jose Abreu, Alante, and Ravon have all been able to give you between 12 and 14 home runs. And I mean, all three of these guys, coupled with Eloy Jimenez, have been able to hit a 300 or greater, but Tim Anderson has been out of the fold for quite a bit for this team. That has hurt them. Lurie Garcia, Yasmani Grandal, Yohan Moncada, all these guys have hit a 220 or lower along with Elvis Andrews. It's been a little bit tough there. And then you do take a look at this White Sox bullpen and Jimmy Lambert, Rinaldo Lopez, 
pair of field starters have come in and they've been able to do a very solid job out there in the bullpen. 3-2 ERA or better, but when you wind up getting into guys like Tanner Bakes, Jake Diekman, not necessarily a good spot to be. I do like Kendall Graven and I do like Liam Hendricks. Both of these guys are solid in the 8th and ninth inning and for the Arizona Diamondbacks. It is a bullpen that's in the bottom 7 in the big leagues. Joe Mantiply has really been your lone consistent piece for this team, especially with Sean Pop and Kyle Nelson. Deal with injuries. Mantiply right around a 266 in terms of the ERA. Kevin Ginkle, Luis Frias, you're able to throw in their Mark Melanson, Noah Ramirez. I don't have a lot of faith in these guys, as pretty much all these guys have an ERA that is north of a 450. But with the Arizona Diamondbacks, they also do wind up cranking out right around 1.3 home runs per game on their own, compared to more around 0.95 home runs per game at home. And while the Arizona Diamondbacks still in the bottom eight in the big leagues in terms of batting average, they've been able to do a little bit of a better job here as been able to have Quetel Marte of the Marte Parte hit right around at 255. Been a little bit of an issue with him dealing with injuries, but now he's been able to come back in the fold. That helps along with Josh Ross in a 285. But man, you're Rivera, ever since he wanted coming over from the Royals. He's got four home runs at a 280 batting average in 16 games. And then Christian Walker, he overall for the season is only getting a 227, but 30 home runs. And ever since the All-Star break has been hitting above a 250 now. When you've got guys like Jordan Luplo, Gerardo Pardomo, Carson Kelly, you're able to throw in there. Someone like Seth Beer hitting a 220 or lower. That does wind up hurting you a little bit. But the Diamondbacks, they do have a little bit of firepower. Problem is, I do think that Johnny Cueto is going to be able to hold them down. I do think that this is going to be a contest in which we are going to be seeing a little bit more scoring, especially with this Arizona Diamondbacks bullpen being less than trustworthy. So my total at 80.6 looking over. And I do have faith in Johnny Cueto getting the job out here. Wanting to take the White Sox at a plus 112 run line or greater. And we wrap things up with 979-980 on the betting board. The Minnesota Twins play OC San Francisco Giants. Alex Wood is going to be going for the Giants and Joe Ryan is on the bump for the Twins. Currently, we've got no numbers up on this game. Not quite sure why, but I've got a handicap for this game as I set the Twins as a minus 147 money line. Need at least a plus 145 to take a shot on them laying around an half and 8.3 is the total. Eight or less looking over eight and a half higher to the under. When it comes to Alex Wood, he's been a little bit unlucky this season. If you take a look at the fielding independent compared to the ERA, it has certainly been a case in which you expect a little bit of better results out of him because with Alex Wood, he's been able to give you right around nine strikeouts per nine innings, not giving up a ridiculous amount of deep balls, right around 1.1 home runs per nine, right around 2.1 walks per nine innings. Fielding independent is a 365, and he's got a 454 ERA to show for it. Now, opponents have been hitting well north of a 250 off of him. That has been an issue for him all season long, but take a look at Alex Wood, and you expect him to be able to have a little bit of positive progression, but he has had some issues on the road with a 464 road ERA and on the road. It has really been bad in terms of the deep ball. 10 home runs given up over the course of 64 innings. And then you do take a look at Joe Ryan, and it has been an almighty struggle for him on the road that wound up manifesting itself when he wound up having the 10 runs surrendered against the San Diego Padres. But for Joe Ryan, he's been able to do a very solid job at home, and he's got overall numbers and overall stuff that you feel very good about. Right around nine strikeouts per nine innings. He has been giving up 1.4 home runs per nine innings, but that also wound up being mostly on the road. He's been only giving up right around two and a half walks per nine innings. You take a look at what he's been able to do in Minnesota. Very much a pitcher-friendly ballpark. 295 home ERA, giving up seven home runs in 61 innings, so right around one home run per nine innings. His walks per nine rate still stays sub three at home as well, and I do think that he should be able to lend a relatively solid starting. He's backed up by a bullpen that it's not like amazing, but you know what? You're under, and he leads the big leagues in terms of pitches thrown at 100 plus miles per hour for a reliever. He's been able to post up right around 2 ERA. Now, Griffin Jacks, ever since the All-Star break, he's had north of a 4 ERA as a little bit more of a long guy, but you've had Trevor McGill be able to provide a sub 3-3 ERA. You've been able to get some good innings as well out of 
even someone like Devin Smeltzer when he's been in long relief as well, and they are trying him out in that role. Meanwhile, for the San Francisco Giants, they do rank at the bottom 10 in the big leagues. In terms of ERA, you do have John Brebbia, Camilio Duvall, and Jarlene Garcia all being able to register in ERA that is three or lower, but with that said, with the San Francisco Giants, I also don't know how they're supplying enough power to be in the top 10 in terms of runs per game. They do have Omar Flores and Jack Peterson being able to combine for 34 home runs, both of these gentlemen in between about a 252-260. Evan Longoria, Monterio Estrada, they're both hitting right around 260 as well, and then you do have Austin Slater in more around a 265. J.D. Davis, he's been able to pound out four home runs since he wanted coming over to this team, but they really don't have the world's greatest team. Batting average are hitting right around 234. They score as many runs at home rather than on the road and home it's a relatively pitcher friendly ballpark so it has been very strange to take a look at it i know that gabe kapler does a good job with his platoon splits but i do favor the twins here despite the fact that byron buxton is currently on the injured list and has been their main matcher with 28 home runs because buxton really wasn't doing the world's greatest job of being able to move the line did not wind up posting up much more than a 225-ish batting average and got a lot of guys that they do a good job of being able to consistently get on base. Luis Rice has been able to 325. Jure Carlos Correa, Kyle Garlick, I'm between about a 255, 28, 270. Ore Palanco, 345 on base, 15 home runs. You've been able to get some good power out of Carlos Correa as well. I mentioned before, he's been able to slug out 14 home runs. I've been impressed by what we've seen out of Gilberto Cicino. He's been hitting about a 255. Jose Miranda, he's been hitting above a 300 over the last two months. He's been able to go deep 13 times. So I do think that the Minnesota Twins should be a favorite, especially with the way that the San Francisco Giants just have not been the same in terms of their bullpen ever since. You wound up seeing the retirement of Buster Posey. So I did wind up making the Minnesota Twins right around a minus 147 favorite. And then it's a spot in which an 8 or less I'll be looking at an over 8.5 prior to the under. And that will wrap things up for the Friday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the VEASAN Family Podcast. A big thanks to Curtis Rogers of 710 Seattle Sports for joining me in the last segment. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one or two ways we will fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore D1. Keep in mind, the letters M. Maybe it does not matter, so as per usual, please send these into the timeline. The other way, it is fine. An Apple Podcast review. If you're this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. And that five star review, I'm coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, and that means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. 
With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 